have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm uh, chapter 144 for this wonderful of David psalm, and uh, we will we will get into it here. Psalm 144 is a prayer for a nation that is under attack. This is a uh, this. This, the circumstance for this is that Israel was at war and David prayed this prayer. But this attack, um, it's not a total attack. It's not like an all out. It's not like they're about to like totally fall through. But they still need God. They still need God's intervention in their life. They still need God to show up and to remain in their presence. And this is prayed not just by the individual David. This, would, this prayer was meant to be prayed in a community for the community. So this prayer, like if it's me, it means like this is my prayer for not only me, but for me and my family, for the Burks, for the Domremus, for the Tinsleys, for the Mitchells, for everybody that comes to our church, for the uh, Teixeiras and the, the Stoffers. Is that, I, I need to make sure I got Jake's last name right, but... For, for all those, and as this psalm teaches us to pray, it is teaching us to pray not only in community, or not only individually, but also in community. That prayers in community mean a lot. That we're not supposed to neglect either the corporate word of prayer or the personal word of prayer. And we are invited, this is how prayer works. We are invited by God to pray. We are invited through the community to pray for God's people. And then that impacts our individual lives. The Psalms have showed us this pattern over and over and over again. And I think, um, I used to think that prayer was something that I did. Something I had to come up with. Words that I needed to do and, and, and figure out how to make this work. But prayer is something that God initiates. All prayer starts with Him. All prayer starts with His Word and His breath breathing life into us. It is His calling into our life. And I used to think that prayer was something that I did by myself. And, and you know, you get in your prayer closet, you close it and you pray, which is something good to do. And we do that, but before I pray, we pray. This is the way it works. We pray. We pray. We pray the Lord's Prayer here, but just even the act of worship is a prayer of being lifted up to God and, and offering to Him. And we come together to worship God in good times and in bad times and in both. What do we do? We pray. We ask God to show up in our lives. This is the community aspect of prayer. And I believe it's vastly important. It's not just about you and your prayer closet, although it includes that. But these two aspects of being initiated by God and prayer being in community can help free us up to pray and allow for a deeper prayer life in our lives. The fact that we pray together is hugely important to our personal prayers. We can take what we get from church and go forth into our own personal lives. And then, speaking of prayer, look around. Just look at the people who are here and note who's not here today. Just take, just take a minute. Dom Ramos, you can't do this, but... Remember those who aren't here. We get to pray for those who are here and those who aren't here. 
We get to do this week in and week out. God has brought us into this small community of faith together, and I believe that we need each other's prayers. We need to be praying for one another, and we need each other's prayers. In the last few emails that I've sent out for the church, I've been asking that we pray. I should have asked, what, what have I been asking for? Because I don't, my mom would have answered because she might be the only one who reads them. So, but I've been asking that we fast and pray, actually, that we, we are expectant that God's going to work, that we pray for Grace and Mercy Church, and we pray for one another, and I've asked even that you pray for me. And this is not accidental or just, I'm not just asking it as a Christian thing to ask. I believe this is an invitation by God to pray for God's work in each one of us. That we get to participate in this work as God is working and it won't happen without prayer. If we leave out prayer, we are leaving out a fundamental aspect that God has given us. So, I am asking for us, all of us, to pray for one another. Pray for our church. Pray for me. Look who's here and who's not here. Who you haven't seen in months. Well, not just because of COVID, but you haven't seen them online either. And who, who do you think supposed to be here? Pray. We get to pray. So let's, let's do that. So uh, let's pray this Psalm 144. Psalm 144 of David. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue and deliver me from many waters, from from the hand of the foreigner, those mouths speak lies, whose mouths speak lies, and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-string harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of the foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants full-grown, Our daughters, like corner pillars, cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people in whom such blessings fall Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a prayer of David, and it's, it's a call to be in prayer for training. And, and for us as Christians, we get to be, be training in prayer. We get to be training in prayer. We have weapons in a fight, and none is greater than prayer. None is greater than prayer. In fact, I I was thinking about it this week. I've seen wars, and I've seen what they accomplish, and I see what they do, and I've seen them produce more wars and more tensions, and yet I've also seen the righteous person in prayer. 
And the prayers of a righteous person avails more than any earthly war that can be waged. And we need this type of training for war. This type of training, a training in prayer, like where, where your fingers are ready for battle and, and you're being trained for war. We need to be trained in our trust of God. This is what prayer does. Trusting is not always easy. We can say amen to that. There are times that are going to be much harder than other times. And if we train for just the little things, we'll be able to stand in the difficult times. God is always preparing us to just trust Him more and more and on a deeper level. Not saying that it's going to be easy because it's not. But that's why we need the training. Because we'll... As the storm comes, and it will, if it hasn't already, we'll stand when the storm comes, and we'll stand strong, trusting in God, and and trusting just that through the little things, we've been trained to trust Him. We also need to be trained to listening. Prayer is not just our mouths going up to God, but listening to what He would have, listening to His direction. Prayer is listening to which way should we go when God is calling us. This is something that we need, we need to ask for, but it's hard to train our ears to listen to God, isn't it? It's not an easy thing to do. It requires being still and knowing that God has got this. It requires knowing that God wants to speak to us through our situations about His goodness and His mercy in our lives. And that's not an easy thing. We listen not only for instructions like do this, do that, or here's what's next, but also for words of strength and affection. I love you. You're good enough. You're enough. These types of things we need to hear from God as well. And through Christ, God wants to speak love into our lives. And you know what we need to do? We need to listen. We need to train our ears for listening because once we listen, then we're trained to obey as well. Once we listen and then we obey, one step after the other in this life of following Jesus, Jesus isn't going to give us our 10-year plan step by step. He's just going to say, trust me for this next one. Trust me for this next one. We don't always know what the next step is. So you know what we need to do? Go back to listening. And then we get to obey. And once we listen and obey, we take the next step, even if the next step requires just an insane amount of faith and trust in God. In all this, we are being trained to live with for Jesus, to follow Jesus, to stand with Jesus and not fall away, not walk away, not get stolen away. But God is our strength and our protection. And we are also in training to hide. I know it sounds weird. It sounds weird in battle, but we're in training to hide, to hide in Jesus, to get tucked away into the life of Christ so deeply that no one can steal us away from him. And we do this hiding. This is is how we go to war. We hide. We train, but we also get to hide because it is God who fights for us in all things. His grace, his love, His steadfast love is a fortress. A fortress, right? It's a stronghold. It's a place that we hide behind while the war is raging. Jesus is our shield as well. Again, a shield is something that we stand behind while, and while we are behind the shield, 
things are going on beyond it that we don't want to be a part of. And we join in from behind that shield, from, from the fortress with the other saints, praying, trusting in God, listening and obeying God. God will fight for us. He will subdue our enemies. We already know that Jesus has defeated the last enemy of death. And all the other enemies are nothing compared with that. Sin is not that big of an enemy. Lie is not that big of an enemy when compared to death. And Jesus rose from the dead, conquering uh, Satan and sin and death and all the lies and all these things that want to plague us. And although the battle is still going, we remain diligent and attentive to our great weapon of prayer while we are hidden in Christ. It's not, um, it's not as dynamic as war movies, right? It's not as heroic looking as we like to do. It's not like charging forward in battle, but it's a good plan to be hidden in Christ and to hold on to Him as our strength and our protection. And this is what this prayer is training us to do. It's not human action that will solve the world's problems. It is Jesus so... It is Jesus, far, and He is far more the solution than the world will give Him credit for. In verse 3 and 4, we have, um, I have occupied much head and heart space. I love this question. Ever since actually Psalm 8 that originally asked it, which was a number of years ago. But in this week in particular, it says, What is man that you think of him? And Are, are, are we just like a breath? And I'm thinking like, God, I know I'm valuable to you. I know I feel like more than a breath to you. Does this psalm suggest that we are worthless as humans? No, not at all. And I, and I think this is important because God is the one who bestows on us dignity and worth and love. And mankind is, is considered a little lower than the angels, but yet we get to judge the angels for their work. This is what Scripture says. And we are important to God. Important enough to send His Son Jesus to die for us. In fact, like we have intelligence, we have knowledge, we have smarts. We are able to do wonderful and amazing things. Yet, this question is asking this. When we stand next to God, humility is demanded of us. There is no other choice. In war, we get to know our frailty and understand the one who fights for us is not frail. And that gives us confidence. God is our might. God is our strength. And when we compare ourselves to the creator God, we are but a vapor. And in prayer, this is our battle. And in our battle, we must remain humble. We must have this mind and heart. And this will keep us from running ahead. This will keep us from thinking that we might need to make something of ourselves or, or be the hero. And instead of running ahead of God, we get to follow Jesus. We get to remember who we are and who it is that is fighting for us. And we know this because we can see in the next section the action of God. Creator God shows up, and when Creator God shows up, some things change. We see, in, in just in this psalm, mountains smoke, lightning flash forth, scattered enemies, and arrows rain down. When we pray and trust and listen and stand, this is the type of power that we are stepping into. 
the type of power that shakes things up, that, that, that doesn't leave them the same, that when we are gone, it changes the landscape of what was once there. Too often we think of prayer as a weak action or a, or a nice action, or oftentimes we think of it as some sort of last-ditch effort. Well, there's nothing left to do, so I guess we pray. And yet, when we ask for God's hand to move, it moves. And it is more powerful than we can ever imagine. We see that Jesus is big enough to handle all of our problems. He can free us from sins that are foreign to His righteousness and His kingdom. Jesus can free us from lies, both those told about us and those that we believe in our own head, in our own mind. He is that strong. When His hand moves, there is power. Even the heavens bow before His power. And since this is true, our faith is strengthened in this. We can watch Him work. We can see His might. And if the mountains can smoke and the heavens can bow, then our problems are small in comparison. No less to us personally, but they are smaller than we thought before God's greatness, and God's greatness overwhelms our problems. Jesus is big enough. Jesus is strong enough. Jesus is powerful enough. So you know what we do? We ask God to act. We seek His action. We seek action from God. We look for Jesus to move in our lives. We ask that God's hand come from on high and act on our behalf. And you can see this work being done in this prayer. We train for war in prayer. We humble ourselves and we watch God works while we hide in His fortress for us. In this, we can remember why it is we worship Jesus. We can't always feel or see God's action, but when we do, we remember. We remember, oh yeah, that's why. That's why. We make a vow, we make a pledge of praise before God. God, I will worship you. How could I ever forget? Look at all this that you've done. You are the one who rescues me, who saves me and delivers me. This is why I believe meeting together is important. Whether we've been able to do it online or we've been able to do it important, even when we feel like it or don't feel like it, it's important. Because if you can't see or feel God moving in your life, then maybe, just maybe, you can see God moving in somebody else's life. This is why gathering together to worship God is important so that week by week, we can renew our vow to praise Jesus. Yes, Lord, for another week I'm going to praise you. Maybe I don't feel grace, but I saw grace in somebody else's life, and I'm just going to move forward because I know you can do this thing in my life. And in all this, in prayer, God's actions, the battles that are going on, in the holding on, in the long stretches that we have of training, we long for blessing in our lives. Amen? We long for it. The blessing of grace, the blessing of love, the blessing of peace and prosperity. These are all good things to long for. These are heavenly gifts, and sometimes they manifest on earth. These are wonderful things. 
And I, I was thinking about it this way in terms of like hierarchy of needs, right? Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once we have food and water, once we have safety and belonging with the people of God and we're esteemed in that, and once we see that the battle is over and that Jesus is won, once the, the lies are defeated and the truth of God's love is perfectly believed, we're in a good place. Amen? We are in a great place when we're there. And once these things are there, then we can focus on our soul. We can dive deeper into this great, mysterious faith that God has given us. And if we don't worry anymore about anything else, and we live in the abundance of God's grace and His goodness and His provision, knowing that all this stuff, all the things that we need are taken care of, we can live into our life of Christ more fully. We can dive deeper, discover more of what this life in Christ means. It's no longer just survival. It's actually seeing and seeing all the riches that He has for us. And even though I preach against getting comfortable with prosperity or like definitely preach against worshiping prosperity, we can also recognize that if it doesn't become an idol, prosperity and riches aren't a bad thing. They're not a bad thing. In fact, they're nice things, pleasant things, and they can surround us with good things. The feeling of security um, with an abundance is not bad. Is not bad. Knowing that all our needs are taken care of without a worry can allow us and should allow us to lean into the blessing of Jesus more and more. And in fact, abundance can not only do that, but it can show and let you show the grace of Jesus' salvation. Verse 12 through 15 is a praise for the blessing that God has showered on His people. This is, this is not... Um, this is a material blessing, and this is not just a spiritual blessing. It's a, it's a blessing of peace and prosperity. And it, it's, it's like this. Imagine a banquet where we're all sitting there, the spoil, and Jesus is there dividing the spoils of war for us. He's dividing it and giving it to us all, all of it. God, who owns the cattle on a thousand hill, whose streets are paved with gold, He is dividing all His blessings with His children. And this brings peace. This initiates worship. And we don't worship the gifts, we worship the giver of the gifts. And as we do, we are a reflection of the goodness of God to a world that longs for good things. And in these final verses, we can see the abundance of goodness. We can see that in Christ we are lacking nothing. That we will have peace and prosperity, not only for ourselves, but we pray that these blessings will roll down to our children and to their children and for generations to come. We pray that our sons will become good and wise men. That they will stand for justice and trust Jesus with all their hearts. That they will be like plants full grown and be able to withstand the weeds that come in life. That they'll be able to withstand the, the prey that wants to pick them off. That they'll be able to withstand the scorching sun that wants to dry them out and kill them. We pray that our sons will stand strong and that they will have the beauty and the strength of a plant that is full grown. We also pray that our daughters will become like corner pillars. I love this imagery here, at least in this building. I don't know if Luke and Joanna can see it, but we have two we have pillars here on this 
on this and they're holding it up. And I believe women so oftentimes they don't get enough credit for holding up the foundations of our community. Our foundation is Christ, but women can hold it up. And they they and we're praying this that we're praying to make sure that um, we are still here and that we have a place because of their strength, because of women's strength to hold on and hold up faith in our communities. We're praying this for our daughters, that they will be this type of women with these types of strength, that they will be like corner pillars, that they will be firm and virtuous and able to hold things up for the next generation and pass it on beyond them. And I love this prayer for our daughters in this prayer, Psalm 114. It is a praise for the blessing of continued strength in them. We pray that we may be able to find that they might be able to find a place in the palace because we believe how good and how wonderful they are that they will be given a place where where we see them that our daughters are so precious to us but not only just precious but they're strong and they're able to hold up faith when sometimes uh, we don't do a very good job of it as men and we pray for abundance we pray for food in this prayer, for produce, for thousands of sheep, even ten thousands of sheep, even the food that they eat so that they're sustained, we are, uh, we are content with daily bread. We are content with that. But we would also be okay knowing that we'd be taken care of beyond today as well. Amen? We get to pray for this type of abundance. And when it comes, it comes with peace. And if God has given this type of abundance, then we get to realize where it comes from. And if we, uh, and if we don't have abundance, we get to know that we can still trust and be content. And if we can't see it, we can just wait and trust in God. Abundance isn't the true reward. We can have it all and not have Jesus and it wouldn't be enough. Jesus is our all in all. And if we have abundance and Jesus is around, it would, wouldn't seem like abundance. It would just be empty because we as Christians find our fullness in Christ. In fact, abundance sometimes can choke out our need for Jesus and we get to never let it do that. Jesus died so that we might be able to hide in battle, to live in humility, to watch God at work and offer praise to Him forevermore. And as we endure these battles, this work may be completed in us. So that when we step into prosperity, it will all point to Him. If God takes away our prosperity, we still believe that He has us and He'll sustain us. And I love that this prayer also prays for sustenance. May our cattle be heavy with young, which means we have a meal tomorrow as well. Pregnant cattle means that there will be some for the next generation. We are blessed by good fortune with no mishaps or no failures. And this can only be from God. And in this, joy and peace are blessings as well. If this, We can hear this. If the streets have no crying. If the streets aren't crying out, then we are blessed indeed. And we get to hold on. We get to be prepared in war until this comes. And I think this, um, this, we started with war in this psalm, and we end in prosperity. We are blessed as we follow our crucified and risen Messiah. Amen? Death and life everlasting are a part of following Jesus. 
And wherever we are on this continuum, we get to follow him. One step at a time. Trusting Jesus for this next step. And I think this last verse sums it well. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. From the first blessing to the last, all the blessings in between, large and small, they are all the actions of God. And we know this from this prayer that God is worthy of all our praise and we are blessed by His saving action in our lives. We are blessed by His protection. We are blessed with the humility that He gives us to live out this life. We are blessed by His action. We are blessed by our ability to sing out again. And we are blessed into His abundance that He has for us. And these psalms are prayers for life, all parts of lives. So wherever you find yourself, may you find yourself in Christ. So Jesus, may we find ourselves in you. Will you be our Lord? Will you speak, Lord, to to our hearts and to our minds in such a powerful way that we can listen and hear you completely? In Jesus' name, amen.